0: and good morning it's 3 a.m it's sunday november the 10th this is show number 107 and this is the last show Come on, I'll tell you more. Let's get going.
1: I let the bass drop, hit that nigga straight up off the glass, yeah, that's a bank shot. Aaron Gordon soaring over, niggas, you the mascot. Nigga hit my jacket for the tricks, I brought the mask out, Jim Carrey with the Mac, out of spaz out, uh, but all my niggas bought the business hall. I'm shaking to the bank and merely rocking out with chicken. I'm at Damon in that bullshit with a pistol on a mission, like Bruce Willis, trying to get it every move you see commitment. Nigga hustle for my piece of pie, ain't trying to see the prop. blow my smoke to the city sky, we coming for the shine Don't approach me from behind, know the gang it's with a it, trot Wolces hollin' at the night before it ain't, I bet he cried to yeah, the that's a strictly veggie diet I'm what happens if Tupac and J are like ever collided? Hustle, hard-dodgin', confinement. see the shots will break the climate Hydroponics, twistin' out. listen, hey, though this shit hey, go loud, go ahead The runner's mouth like tic-tac-toe, we cross him out Can't control the golden child, I lead an army, colon, pound Like a molly, smoke a pound Your shit hardly make a sound, hardly now, I was brought up in the drop, in the car, the planning rounds With that product, get the black, no bank deposit, Nike box Load the cartridge for the ice, my call of duty, get the top. My niggas moody with the chopper, throw a tantrum, shoot your blocker I'm addicted to the green, yeah, that's a strictly she died. I'm what happens if Tupac and J. L. like ever collided. Hustle hard, dodging, confinement, see the shots, we raise the climate. Hydroponics twisting out, Chris and know this shit go loud. All oh, my niggas shades the green, we relay, racing to the cabbage. Me, the nicest to the slissens, prodigy linked up with Havoc. It's a knife, no, it's a grip, and the whole clique is living savage. It's a joint, no, it's a split. A couple hundred do the Two hits, I'm off the planet. Fucker raw, I'm all organic. Play my cards just like I'm gambit. Handicapped them, they can stand it. It's that flow that's uncalanous. All this needsy checking, they said tripping, talking loud. Fronting all up on the record till we run up and get flat. Like a best, they throw the tire. Weak defense fence, we'll make the trap. I'm descending straight from heaven, but I still will knock you down. Uh-huh. I'm addicted to the green, yeah, that's a strictly veggie diet. I'm what happens if two parking, Jay, are like ever collided. Hustle hard, dodging, confinement, see the shots are raise the climb. Hydroponics twisting out. Chris, I know this shit go loud, ayy.
0: and good morning good morning welcome back to the show welcome back to the podcast rather (laughs) i don't feel like it's a show i feel like it's more informational i don't know maybe it is entertaining who knows but anyhow nevertheless welcome back to the show this is the 107th show i am your host gummo this is the little thing that we do once a week now (laughs) consistency is the key that's what i keep telling myself every weekend how are you welcome to uh another exciting edition we hope you are um enjoying the podcast and if and if you are new welcome to the podcast uh we are happy that you're checking us out and i'm you know i'm kind of happy too (laughs) i'm kind of really happy too you know i'm putting in all the vocal time here but uh yeah welcome back to the show um in And I don't know. Wow. Yeah, this is the, um, as I said in the beginning, uh, this is the last show. But uh, it's only the last show from Chicago. So don't, uh, don't get, uh, yeah, don't, (coughs) yeah, any of that, any of that. Uh, It's, you know, I've been doing this show here from Chicago for almost... What is it? Four years? No. So it's been about four years. I've been doing it from the top of the Aon Center here, uh, and uh, as I've mentioned in the past, uh, five hundred shows. <laughs> no, seriously. As I've mentioned uh, in the past few shows, uh, y- you know we are um, decommissioning the space here in Chicago, and we are. <laughs> We are moving in a more southerly direction where we will be hosting this show from the uh, sunny state of Florida.
2: <clears throat>
0: and uh, th- and that's, uh, that's kind of a thing now. So, um, yeah, uh, my last uh, adventure here to the uh, top of the Aeon building here on uh, Randolph. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where to. Columbus and Randolph. Uh and been here for four years and I wanted to thank everybody uh that kinda helped me uh do my thing here. I mean, you know, I've I've mentioned it a thousand times, so I'm not gonna go out on one of those limbs this uh this morning. But, you know, it's it's been uh it's been fun, you know. I, I got here um and kinda just, you know, took this uh took took it in uh, you know, took it in a direction that uh I don't know people enjoy and so i'm, I'm glad that you enjoy it uh, the feedback that we get uh, uh certainly is uh very nice insightful helpful sometimes scary but uh it's uh it is feedback and i've always welcomed it and i continue to welcome it as well and so i um <clears throat> with that said i uh, just wanted to get that out of the, get that uh out of there uh yeah so yeah so we will be in transition mode for the next several weeks getting the show uh set up down in florida and all of the uh well not really that much equipment uh anymore uh just a couple mixing boards a few pcs Uh, all of the other stuff's in a storage unit over near berwin don't ask me where it is i don't even know where berwin is but Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a refreshing change. I'm looking forward to it now, and I'm glad that you're here along with me for the ride. Uh, you know, and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always, it's always a challenge when, uh, you, you're, you're moving, uh, and not, not to be, Uh, misstated moving uh across the country is always a challenge so i'm uh i've embraced the challenge uh, that's in front of me (laughs) and i'm looking forward uh to the to the final piece of the puzzle uh and so uh, i just wanted to say uh thank you again for to all of my friends uh colleagues former colleagues and everyone else that i've met along the way here in chicago uh you've been amazing awesome you know You know who you are and you know why you are being uh, addressed. Uh, I'll never forget uh, many of you. And it's not like uh, it's a final goodbye or anything. You know, I will be back uh, in the city. But, uh, you know, looking forward to a little bit more activities outside. That doesn't involve snow and ice. Uh, Speaking of snow and ice, I hear that the weather people say that it it is supposed to snow starting Monday. Uh, So that's going to be interesting. Not only, you know, it's snowed on Christmas uh, in Chicago, here in Chicago. And now it's uh, predicted to snow Monday as well. Um, And then it's supposed to be a polar vortex again. And... uh, (laughs) i don't know what to say i really don't uh but nevertheless stay warm right (laughs) if you are one of the people being affected by the polar vortex uh soon to come soon to visit uh the united states but uh uh whatever um so let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, we have featured on this show in the past something uh, kind of cool, and I know uh, from the feedback that everyone really enjoyed it, and so did I because you know, um, uh, I you know, I started I started playing around with telephones. Oh, I don't know, around 1977, 78 and i was just a little kid uh, i think i was 7 or 8 myself uh and uh, so i started playing around with with telephones and i discovered that you can you can talk to a lot of people and uh i took that uh curiosity along with me uh all the way up until this point in my life uh understanding um the tricks of the old phone system and so that was called uh telephone freaking and and yes i'm definitely um a oh, retired telephone freak there's still there's still there's still many things that you can do with t- telephones but none in the Not in the way we used to when uh, I was a child. So I wanted to take you back to when I was a kid, uh, freaking phones back in the 80s. uh, And I wanted to share that with you this evening. And um, hopefully that you will get um, something out of it. And uh, so uh, with that said, since it's uh, starting to get cold, why don't you go get yourself a nice... um, grand latte or a n- nice large hot chocolate and sit back and check it out because this is what i was dealing with and playing around with back in the 80s as a phone freak and so i wanted to share it with you uh enjoy uh.
3: This program and several of the others in this early 80s series cover some of the technological advances we were making in phone-freaking during the years 1981 through 1984, thanks to the Apple II coming on the scene. This was a time where, although we were making great advances, I didn't care very much, and that had to do with the fact that I was watching the network turn into something that was kind of uniform and modern number one ESS taking over, T carrier everywhere, I'm sorry. that too. But at this late date, the technology that we sure could have used in the 70s had arrived. And so with a certain amount of compulsion in the spirit of, well, I always wanted to be able to do this, so, well, let's see if we can, I designed the AutoJAN program. <laughs> Janning is a phone-freak term for dialing every number in a particular exchange or part of an exchange. It's named after a British phone-freak named Chan, who used to like to do it. This term later got bastardized into scanning, but the term is Janning. For the entirety of my phone-freak days in the 1970s, this was something done by hand. But in late 1981, I figured out a way to do it automatically using an Apple II, a modem, and several stone knives and bearskins. Now this is something that I'm sure many people were doing all over the place, although I wasn't in touch with any of them. And a few years after this particular snapshot in time, off-the-shelf equipment did become available that would enable anybody to do this. But in late 1981, I had to kind of make it up from scratch, write the program for call progress detection, even fudge the hardware so the Apple II could listen to the phone line. Now this is hard to believe, but in the early 1980s, the Apple II had no provision for playing or recording sound. This is amazing, but it's really true. No one used a computer to listen to music or programs or anything. The Apple II did have a speaker, but it was only used for square wave tones, such as Right, the reset beep, which, by the way, was immediate. Can you imagine resetting a computer and having it just be ready to go? So we did have a modem that plugged into one of the slots in the Apple. We could use that to pick up and hang up the phone and dial numbers. But to listen to what was going on on the phone line, well, there I had to improvise a bit. The modems that we had in those days did not listen to call progress sounds at all. All they did was dial the number and wait for a modem tone at the other end to be detectable. So if the number was busy, it would just sit there the prescribed amount of time and then finally give up and either say I can't do it or try again. Modems that actually could detect busy signals were an innovation that occurred later in the 1980s. In fact, call progress detection which is the term I'm using is a term that was not yet heard and you know what I invented it literally I invented call progress detection in isolation with my friend clay I'm sure I was not the only one but my ideas for how to do it were completely original I never found out whether I could have patented some of those ideas or whether someone beat me to it and by how much but I can tell you that I did have high-quality call progress detection up and running in late 1981 using an Apple II computer and an unconventional method to allow it to hear what was going on on the line. Now incredibly the original means by which people stored and saved programs for the Apple II was on cassette tape. There was a cassette output and input which were just audio jacks and if you needed to save a program you'd plug in a cassette recorder put it in record mode and then tell the Apple to save the program. The way you did that was in the command mode for the basic language, you would type the word save and hit return. And you know, it's funny, years after cassette tape saving was obsolete and everyone was using both five and a quarter and the three and a half inch disks, typing the word save with no file name after it on a basic command line would still make it put out the bleeps and blurps to save the program in the cassette mode. You know, I shouldn't say bleeps and blurps, that's not correct, because the only sounds it could make were pulse waves. And pulse waves never go bleep or blurp. They just go ba and ba, and if you're really lucky, bleep, and that gets saved on the cassette tape. When you want to load a program, you plug a chord into the cassette input and type load and play the tape. And then a minute or two later you've loaded your program. Well the cassette input was a way to get the Apple II to hear something that was happening on the phone line. It was not a very good ear, however. In fact, electrically, all it could do was detect zero crossings. In other words, it could hear sound, but the only thing it got was a pulse every time the voltage level crossed from a positive voltage to a negative voltage. You could actually record sound with it, it's just that the sound would sound something like this using the best programs possible programming directly in the machine code we could make the apple II go more than fast enough to catch every nuance of sound But we just didn't have any way to receive it except the cassette input however that was enough to gain certain information from the sounds coming from the phone line for example what do you suppose this is <coughs> Does that sound a little bit like someone answering the phone with hello? Hello? Well that's what it is. What about this? Well that's pretty obvious and we could write a machine code program to have the Apple count the frequency so that it could recognize that tone instantly and mark that number down as vacant. Detecting dial tone was easy of course. So anyway I recorded a little snapshot in time Just to encapsulate what we were doing, I put it on the end of one of the long distance preservation tapes recorded from New York City. There was a little extra space on the end of the tape on which we had made calls to Alberta.
4: The number you have dialled is not in service at this time. Please consult your directory for correct listings. Thank you. This is a recording. The number you have dialled is not in service at this time. Please consult your directory for correct listings. Thank you. This is a recording. The number you have dialed is not in service
3: at... That was recorded in 77. I'm now recording in January 1982. The computer just got through Janning the 4485000 group looking for interesting things. I'm now going to have the computer go back and check with me on the phone listening uh, to see what some of those interesting things are. So I'm going to let you listen in on it.
4: is 1000. Our office hours are 715 until 415. If you wish to leave a message, please do so at the sound of the tone. Your call will be returned as soon as possible. Chattahoochee Plantation, our office hours are from 8.30 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. If you'd like to leave a message, wait for the sound of the tone, and leave your name, telephone number, and any brief message, and we will return your call as soon as possible. Thank you.
3: This answering machine has a fixed 25-second recording period no VOX voice-operated switch the next one does and is rented from the phone company it not only has VOX but there's a warning tone letting you know that it's about to cut you off the warning tone will go away if you start talking again
4: Mercury Marine, be an early bird. Now is the time to prepare for next summer. Mail in your orders now to take advantage of Quicksilver's parts and accessories early bird special. Save free freight, accessories, and cash discounts. At the tone, you may then continue with your parts order. Thank you.
5: This is Sam White, State Farm Insurance, and I'm very sorry we missed your call. It is very important to us. At the sound of the little beep, please leave your name, phone
6: number, and message. We will return your call as soon as possible. Thank you very much. Here's the little beep.
3: So that's what it sounds like when we're going through the results of the automatic JAN to see what it found. Surprisingly, the only thing it found in that whole thousand group were some answering machines and a number that stayed busy. But you know, I'm glad it did, because we didn't record a lot of answering machines. And this, in a way, was a golden age, because there wasn't any voicemail yet. No digital voicemail in early 1982. So this was sort of a peak time for people having non-digital answering devices on their phones. There are more of these answering machines to follow. And boy, if I'd realized the historical significance, I would have recorded maybe all the answering machines in Jackson 4 just to get a cultural snapshot. By the way, these recordings of the computer operating are contaminated by noise produced by the processor of the Apple II leaking into my record patch. So this, you know what that is. That's just stuff the computer produces, which in those days, nobody, including me, had thought of analyzing.
7: Now I'm going to let you hear
3: what the automatic Janning itself sounds like. Pretty boring, huh? Well, that's why we have the computer do it. The uh, computer program recognizes the following things. It looks for three rings without any interruption, just three rings in succession. It uh, looks for the sound of somebody answering, which is usually a word followed by a pause followed by the word again. Your standard answer is, "Hello." hello. And if it hears that particular pattern of sound, it hangs up. It also looks for the SIT on the AIS, so as soon as it hears that SIT, it hangs up and makes note of that. It can recognize busies and reorders, and it also looks for continuous tones and silences. Another thing it looks for is a recording. If it dials a number and gets a lot of on and off very quickly, like blah, 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 instead of writing that down as an answer, it writes that down as a recording. And that's how we find answering machines this is a completely new idea certainly the telemarketers didn't have it yet that's hard to imagine but they didn't around 1987 we knew a telemarketer who wanted the technology he couldn't go out and buy it he needed somebody to design it i'm sorry to say i actually helped him actually it was more to help my friend clay who needed work and he had a distinctive confidence programming computers so Well, as Clay pointed out to me recently when this subject came up, he said, you know, we really went out of our way to make a system that wouldn't annoy people unnecessarily. And that's true. Anyway, in listening to what follows, it hits me how much analog stuff there was still in 1982. I'm calling from the Eastlake 3.7 ESS office, which is processor controlled, but it's an analog switch. It has wire trunks to the downtown ESS, which replaced the old step. And a lot of cool stuff was found in Jackson 4 downtown. And notice that in what follows, all the connections are analog, and there are some cool early digital technologies here. There were two numbers that call forwarded to an early DID answering service. Now, the old answering services had cord boards, And there was actually a tap on every customer's line going to the answering service's switchboard. There were relays to see to it that they couldn't listen in on conversations unless the answering service answered the call first and then the subscriber picked up and started talking. In that case, they could, but normally they could not. In the late 70s and early 80s, this new innovation came where you still had a telephone answering service instead of an answering machine. You get a live operator. And the way that was done is the customer would call forward his line to a specific direct inward dialing number which went into one of the answering service lines the number the customer forwarded to was there to identify his particular calls so that when the call came in the operator could answer with the customer's name knowing what number was called and that is the way answering service was done in the 1980s and the answering service equipment makes digital noises actually not unlike those that my auto jan program made that you heard earlier.
7: Okay, this is January sixteenth. It's the sixteenth or seventeenth, I don't care. Anyway, today I had the computer uh jan the five two four one thousand group and uh, here's the stuff we found. First of all, O four one and five one eight forwarded to an answering service.
4: MKS instruments.
7: Oh, what number have I just reached? Five two four one oh
4: four one.
7: Okay, thank you. Sir, do
4: you have the wrong number?
3: Here we have some noise from yet another outdated digital technology of nineteen eighty two. answering service hello this answering service thing makes me want to digress to something because i happened to work in the 1970s in an answering service that was right on the cusp of the change in the industry The old way of doing things was the plug boards that I described before. The new way is what you're hearing here, where there is a DID system where every answering service customer has his own number. And so the operator has the customer's name pop up on her display so she can answer with the right phrase. Call forwarding only came into use around this time for answering services. But in New York, in 1976 and 77, I worked for an answering service that was totally innovative. They were the first in New York City to use call forwarding to answer customers' telephones. But the DID equipment that lets you know whose line you're answering did not exist yet. So at this answering service, what people call forwarded to was just a group of five telephone lines, which appeared on a regular old, old old-fashioned key telephone with a hold button we had two operators working side by side in the middle of the day picking over the same five lines and those lines were used for everything not just customers calls but also customers calling in to see if they had messages because there was no way to tell what kind of a call it was we answered all calls the same way good afternoon may I help you And then we would determine quickly whether it was someone calling one of our customers or one of our customers calling in to check for messages. And the goal was to never let the phone ring unanswered more than two rings, but also never put a customer on hold for more than just a few seconds. In what follows, I put one caller on hold for 46 seconds, which is so long for that business that when I get back to him, I say thank you for waiting. That's for 46 seconds. So we would put callers on hold for very short periods of time, sometimes repeatedly on the same call, but we'd be back so fast that it didn't bother them. It was a way of multitasking that can only be described, well, you can't describe it, you just have to hear it. Remember the first day I walked in there, a girl named Jackie, who was the best operator there, showed me how it's done, and I couldn't i couldn't believe it. But within just a few weeks, I was doing the same thing. Now, as far as I know, answering service messages are sacrosanct, so I can't share the full data with you. But this is the real tape, and it's in real time. Forgive me for bleeping the names and scrambling the numbers, and especially forgive me for the bad editing on the numbers. But anyway, this is real time from January 1977.
7: Good afternoon. They help you. Anything for Robert, Cook, please? Robert, let me check. Good afternoon, may they help you?
4: Yes, Dr.
7: Please. Dr. Just a moment. Good afternoon, may they help you? I see him. In, let me check for you. Who's calling, please? Ruth. Is Ruth ah. in your telephone number?
4: Oh, no, is he not in?
7: He's not available now. Could I have your number? No,
4: I'm going to see him at 5:30. 30.
7: Okay, That's okay, fine. thank you. you. Bye bye. Robert, mm-hmm. how are you called? The number is 751. Two 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 zero. Oh. Right. And she wanted Mr. Junior to call before he goes to Jamaica.
8: <laughs> okay, so to thank you.
7: Mr. Whether you are or someone else, but he wanted whoever that is to call before he goes to Jamaica. Uh,
8: seven five one two 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 zero. That's right. Thank you. You're
7: welcome. Bye bye. Good afternoon. May I help you? Yes, I'd like to leave a message for Bernice. Bernice, just a moment. Good afternoon. May I help you?
4: Yes. Uh, this is Edith
7: let me check in. Yeah. Thanks for waiting. Lori called. Yeah. At 989-5224. Okay. And someone named Wist called. Okay. And he said he'd call back. Alright. And that's it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It is nothing so far. You. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Who's calling, please? Uh, Tell us Shelly called. That's Shelly, and your telephone number? 247. 247, just a sec. Good afternoon, may I help you? Hi, this is Maria. Uh, do I
4: have any messages?
7: Let me check for you, 247. 1990. Oh. 1990. Oh. Yeah, so I misplaced Peggy's number. Just a sec. Good afternoon, may I help you? Hello,
8: any calls for Russell?
7: Russell. Russell. Yeah, let me check. There's nothing so far.
8: Nothing. Okay, thank you.
7: You're welcome. Bye-bye. You uh, nothing so far. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Good afternoon. May
8: I help you? Good afternoon.
7: This is... Message. Let me check for you, Mr. Misplaced Peggy's number. And I have another question, so she can call me. Okay, thank- fine. Thank you. Bye-bye. bye Good afternoon. May I help you? Uh, hello? Just a moment. Please call Mrs. That's all? Thank <laughs> you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Hello? Yes, Barbara there?
3: That was the pace. You might not be surprised to learn that while that answering service was innovative, their business model was never franchised nationally. The call forwarding idea definitely stuck, but the operators at those answering services you heard before didn't bounce from call to call the way we did. Now back to January 1982 and the results from the survey of Atlanta's Jackson 4 1000 Group.
7: This is what was on 039.
3: In the early 1980s, the Bell system was installing a PBX called Dimension. It was pulse amplitude modulation, it was really their premier small PBX product, and it had a remote access. This is one of them. I dialed an invalid four digit security code and got the intercept tone. In 1982, remote access was a brand new unfamiliar idea. You can sort of tell because the security code is four digits. And if you want to see just how new this idea was, check out Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Okay, you've already seen it how many times? Oh, well, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, the point is that movie was the first time that the remote access concept appeared before our very eyes on the big screen. In that movie, there's a remote access scene where one starship accesses the controls of another remotely through the use of an ultra-secure six, count six-digit security code. And, you know, when we saw that on the screen, we were amazed. It was as if the movie had jumped out and shown something that only we knew about. It was that strange to see that come out on the screen. It was like, how did they know about that? That's the way it was in 1982. And the fact that it was only a six-digit code in the movie and just a four-digit code for the Dimension PBX, well, that says something about how new the concept was. By the way, I have a program that uh, finds Dimension Remote Access Codes. However, right now I'm hesitant to use it. You know, this kind of phone-freaking, which really marks the activities of phone freaks who entered in the 1980s never really did much for me. And the reason was that, yes, you could get into the PBX and you could use their nine line if you wanted, the outgoing call line. But if you dialed a long distance call, that would go on their bill. And didn't want to do that. Some companies had an outward Watts line. Maybe there were some free outward Watts plans. I don't recall now, but even then. It was recording the call details, and at that time, I liked to pay for my phone calls anyway. However, there were two instances in which using a Dimension Remote Access did work out. Well, at least I liked what happened. Instance number one was in 1977 in New York. Here's a call from my west side line to a number one crossbar in Newark, New Jersey. This number, four eight four two 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 went to a Dimension PBX Remote Access with its ultra-secret security code 1234. Let's see, they put the remote access number on 2222 and they gave it the security code 1234. Well, who would ever guess any of that? Anyway, when I get the dial tone, I'll dial 1234, then nine for an outside line, then I'll call a Staten Island hospital that has direct inward dialing. The Dimension picks up a number one crossbar Newark phone line Rotary dials the number out. You'll hear the clicks at the start and end of each digit. You'll then hear the clangs of the crossbar one PCIing to an old-fashioned cam Tandem, Newark's equivalent of VZ Tandem 3. The very old Tandem in Newark puts the call through to Gotham Tandem, two one, two one, two. which audibly PCI's to VZ Tandem 2, two,
4: one, two seven
3: which quite audibly MFs to VARIC-4A,
4: 2, 2,
3: then VARIC puts the call through to Staten Island Tandem, 2,
4: 1, 2, 3,
3: 9. which non-audibly dial pulses into the PBX. I don't expect you to remember all that, but it gives you an idea of the sort of thing that we did want to use a Dimension Remote Access for, to hear wonderful, complex routings like this. Now see, that is a good use of a Dimension Remote Access. However, there was one other instance in which using a Dimension Remote Access really did seem like a good idea to me. At least, I liked the idea overall. And that was... Well, this is a story for another time, but let's just say that this recording... figured into it
7: one of the things we find
3: most often are these devices that uh, pick up and give various tones apparently they are uh, photocopy uh, I mean wire copy type devices things that allow you to send letters uh, various other data exchange type things it is January 1982 and I am not using the term fax machine that's because I personally haven't heard of it yet although I think it was out there by that time. We found them on 393 and 756. So uh, here's what they sound like when you just dial them up. I have no idea what this device is, but isn't it nice to be able to hear the tone with no digital fuzz, thanks to the analog connection downtown.
7: 459, I don't know what is. It sounds like a touchtone computer. However, it has never responded to any touchtones I've given it, so your guess is as it doesn't seem to respond to anything including a D tone.
3: One thing I just realized is that that one is
7: an FX line. So now we're going to call it up and send it a nice long 2600 after it answers.
3: This doesn't do any good, but it's kind of interesting, and you can actually hear the supervision noises on the trunk. If I filter out the 2600 tone, it's even clearer. An FX or foreign exchange line from downtown Atlanta serving a customer who is somewhere far away is often extended over a 2600 controlled carrier trunk. It's a private trunk for just the customer and 2600 sent in the direction going back toward the customer is how the equipment at the customer's end knows to ring his phone now getting a 2600 while the customer is off hook like this is not a normal condition so while i do it The equipment at the customer's end hears my 2600, starts to ring his phone, and in the process, it goes on hook to me. As it's doing that, it loses the ability to hear my 2600, and so it goes back off hook again because the customer's phone is off hook. Once the trunk is off hook, it can once again hear my 2600, so it rings the customer, which puts the trunk on hook, which cuts off its hearing my tone, And the cycle repeats over and over. If you were to hear this from the customer's line point of view, you would hear his local ring supply, possibly a city ring or a crossbar ring, even though the line downtown is ESS, that local ring supply would be clicking off and on repeatedly. Anyway,
7: 363 forwards to a long distance number which right now has an answering machine on it.
8: Hi. Thank
5: you for calling Butnet.
8: My name is Elmo and I'm taking
5: messages for Ken and Ellen
8: while they're out
5: showing the new butte. After the tone, please leave your name and number, and we will return your call as soon as we get back. Thank you.
3: That's long-distance trunk noise you're hearing there. This downtown number forwarded to a long-distance call, and at the other end, the machine answered. When the machine hangs up, you'll still hear the long distance trunk, because it's a forwarded call, not an FX line.
7: Speaking of answering machines, here are some others that.
8: JWI Bag Makers, Purse Mates, and Accessories Place South. I'm not in now, but please leave your name and number after the beep, and I'll call you back as soon as I can. Thanks. able to answer the phone at this time. If you leave your name and phone number, I will return your call as soon as possible. Speak slowly and clearly for about 30 seconds after you hear the beep tone.
4: This is Ann. Um, I'm not here right now, but if you leave a message when you hear the tone, I'll call you back as soon as I can. Um, gosh, there ought to be something else to say. I have five more seconds. Well, bye-bye.
3: Uh, gosh, it's getting long. So let's end this program here and start a fresh one, first with more analog answering machines, not a digital one in sight, except the one that Clay and I invented, which I'll get to. In the early 1980s, the Apple II had us doing things on the phone that we wouldn't have otherwise done. And one of those things was finding all the answering machines in a particular group of numbers. Here's the continuation of the answering machines we found in January 1982, in Atlanta's Jackson 4 exchange. Every one of these answering machines is entirely analog and there is no voicemail yet.
4: Hello, you have reached an answering service for the person you're calling. If you would like to leave a message, Please leave your name, number, and a brief message. Also leave the name of the person you're calling. Please wait for the tone before speaking. Thank you.
8: Thank you for calling HMZ Property Management. I'm sorry we are
7: unable to answer your call personally at this time. However, your call is important. At the sound of the tone, please leave your name, telephone number, and any message you may have. I will return your call as soon as possible. Thank you for calling.
8: you for calling Olansky Dermatology Associates. The office is closed at this time. Our hours are 8 a.m. through 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. If you need directions or need to make an appointment, please call back during these hours. However, if this is a true emergency, requiring attention before the office opens, we do not mind receiving after-hour calls for reasonable reasons. At the tone, you will have 20 seconds to leave your name and a phone number where you can be reached within the next hour. Then call 533-9939, our emergency number. Hold on until you hear a ringing, then a beeping tone, then hang up. Someone will return your call as soon as possible. The emergency number again is 533-9939.
3: I've been asked how people actually used the old-fashioned paging system that did nothing more than give someone a signal that the number had been dialed. Here's an example. This doctor knows that if his pager goes off, he has to call this answering machine and see what message someone has left.
8: Your message was received. Someone will return your call as soon as possible. Thank you for calling Olansky Dermatology Associates. Goodbye.
4: calling Dr. Kaufman's office. The office hours are Tuesday through Friday 8 to 5. If your call concerns an emergency dental problem, please call Dr. Kaufman at home at 261-8442. Thank you for calling.
3: This one has a fixed 20-second record time. Listen to the hang-up and you'll hear a relay ring sound which is a telltale sign that they have a telco-provided key system. Typically, it's five-line phones with a hold button.
8: Leave me a message. I'm going to the store. I'm going to feed the dogs, and I got to make a trip to the store for Father Know It All, if you know what we mean. I'll give you a ring when I get back inside. (laughs)
7: thing I found was 5241958 which does this
3: Now there's a line whose cable, wiring, or equipment has a problem, obviously. The static was picked up by the computer and that's why it turned up on the list. But that is not a normal phone line. The reason is that ESS's prevent black box use by cutting off the sound whenever the phone is on hook to an incoming call. Now the very fact that it went on hook like this and we still heard the static during the 10 seconds between that on-hook event and our timing back to dial tone proves that that is a ground start line. Ground start lines are the lines that don't give you a dial tone unless you ground the tip. They're used for prepay coin phones and some PBX lines. Ground start lines for some reason, and it's probably a good one, were not subject to the anti-muting feature.
7: The remaining thing that was found was some sort of message telephone service access number that is not SPC or MCI or Metro One or City Call, so it's five two four one four four two. I'm going to dial two one two 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 one 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 one, and then uh, an invalid authorization code.
4: You have entered an invalid code. Please redial.
7: The text of that announcement is different from the announcements used by SPC and by MCI for invalid authorization codes. Here's the announcement that SPC uses
3: listen to that it's an fx line that's long distance noise spc later renamed sprint perhaps you've heard that name as a part of their plan to serve their customers would rent foreign exchange lines from southern Bell in atlanta and hook them up to their sprint switches in other cities this is one of those
4: You have entered an invalid authorization code. Please check the number and redial your
8: call.
3: Now that is one of the older SPC recordings coming from one of their older switches. This new thing that I found in January
4: 1982... You have entered an invalid code. Please redial...
3: Sounds very much like SPC, but it's not the same. SPC does this.
4: Please check the number and redial your call.
3: SPC uses more words, but it is coming from the exact same set of announcements, so there probably is a connection. Cognitronics made custom announcement machines for the alternative long-distance companies, and each one was distinct. The fact that this sounds exactly like SPC's machine is a strong indicator. Just as a contrast, here is the Cognitronics announcement for MCI. Hear the carrier noise? MCI is renting FX lines, too.
4: Authorization code you have dialed is invalid.
3: And here's one for the Contelnet, the Continental Can Company's private network.
4: The number dialed is invalid. Please check the number and redial your call.
3: See, they're all different, but this network is using the same announcement system as SPC. Thus, I'd say that there's a good possibility that this thing the computer just found is an SPC-administered private network for a company. The industry term for this kind of a network was CCSA, Common Control Switching Arrangement. These networks were so invisible that we would only even hear about them on rare occasions. The first time we had a clue that these things even existed came in 1971 when Ben and I were going through the Centrexes in New York City. We got a recording for the 750-2000 group that had a mysterious little phrase in it.
4: The number you have dialed has been changed or is temporarily out of service. If you are dialing from the outside, please dial 750-2000 for assistance. If you are dialing from inside the building, please dial O for operator. If you are on dial com, please dial 8222-0111 for assistance. Thank you.
3: Ben and I wondered what Dial.com was. Well, that was the name of the CCSA for that organization. In this organization, 222 is the in-company code for this New York office. So to reach the operator at this particular PBX, you didn't have to call long distance. You could dial within the company eight two 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 o one one one, and that would go to the operator. If you wanted to call one of the people in the New York office, it was 222 222- plus the last four digits of what was dialed locally in New York City as a 750 number. But within the company, there was no reason to call long distance to New York because they had a network of tie lines, FX lines, and Watts lines to put the call through. The CCSA sorted all that out by having a standard consistent seven-digit number for every telephone in the nationwide organization. 222 was just the numbers in New York. Chicago was probably given another short code like 223, and so on. This way, everyone had an in-company number that worked nationally, and it was always 8 plus the 7-digit number to reach anyone. Compare that to individual tie lines from each office to any other office that they might think is worth doing, each with its own distinct code and no consistency overall. The CCSA not only solved that problem, but also you could use it to dial 8 plus a long-distance call. This enabled the company to pool resources, tie lines, watts lines, FX lines, etc. So it was a very interesting network once I finally got to see one in 1978. Now, in January 1982, the computer found an independently administered CCSA, Frankly, not as interesting as the Bell System CCSAs of the 1970s. I will show you the 1982 discovery. But first, to get a sense of the tradition and something really cool, let's go back to a CCSA that I got to use only because a major company decided to use a call diverter to handle their customer service calls at night. The call diverters would answer a ringing phone line pick up another line, dial out a number, and then conference the two lines together. They put the call diverter between two Centrex lines, and that Centrex had access to the CCSA on 8, so we could use the call diverter to get one of their dial tones, dial 8, and explore a network that was completely different from anything we'd ever seen. To appreciate what follows, you probably will have to have some familiarity with the regular network from my other tapes. I apologize for all the techno babble. there's not time to re-explain all these concepts. Suffice it to say that the ingredients of the regular network in what follows are configured in a completely different way, and I want to show it to you. So let's go back to 1978, even though this is an 80s oriented series, I'm going to spend most of this program on this actually, but believe me, it's worth it, and here we are in 1978.
4: I'm sorry, we cannot complete your call as dialed. Please check the number and dial again, or ask your operator for assistance. This is a recording, New York Seven, CCSA XE. I'm
8: sorry.
3: From the recordings I have, I can't tell whether this recording is coming from the number five crossbar tandem that is being used for CCSA service in New York. It probably is. The New York Seven refers to a building in which there are several long-distance switches, most famously the New York 7-4A with recording ID 2123.
4: This is a recording, New York 7, CCSA
3: But I think this is a crossbar 5 switch for CCSAs in that building. I'm
4: sorry, we cannot complete your call
3: as dial. Here is a call to a number in Alabama. I'm going to dial 8 plus the 10-digit number with area code 205. When you dialed calls on a CCSA, you would very often hear crossbar 5 tandems. In fact, more often than not. I'm going to get a dial tone, dial 8, which comes from the same number 1 ESS office that gave me the original dial tone. What I dial after the 8 ends up being MF'd to the CCSA crossbar 5 tandem in the Atlanta Ivy Street building in this case the atlanta ccsa tandem will pick up an fx line to the locality in alabama and rotary dial the seven digit number
5: Since 1960, consumer prices increased 123 percent. Telephone charges in Alabama rose less than half as much. Two
3: thirty-nine. The FX line in Alabama is number 5 crossbar. A local call has hung up on it, so 20 seconds later it will time back to dial tone. except the bell system prevents us from getting that dial tone so instead the fx line trunk hangs up on us and so 10 seconds later we get our local dial tone if you're familiar with my other recordings of the network you might have a little trouble finding your way around this one but it's really not that hard we're getting a dial tone from a number one ess when i dilate it just gives me a second dial tone I then dialed the 10-digit number, it MFs to the CCSA tandem downtown, that's a crossbar 5 tandem, which is now dialing into a number 5 crossbar line. You can hear the tick-a-clunk right here, there. And that's the trunk going off-hook on us, the crossbar 5 locally is dialing into a step
5: since 1960, consumer prices increased 123%. Telephone charges in Alabama rose less than half as much. Two, 39.
3: That's the local call to the step hanging up. We then have 20 seconds, and that crossbar 5 line tries to go back to dial tone, but the trunk equipment detects that and hangs up on us. and then we have 10 seconds since we're calling from number one ess before we go back to dial tone the call went through that way because there was enough traffic of this company calling that part of alabama to justify having an fx line it probably had two or three at the very least the atlanta tandem had direct trunks to the fx line because it was in the same region But when we call an area that is outside of the southeast, we're probably going to engage one of the other CCSA tandems. Here's a call to New York City. I'm going to call a Beekman 3 supervision test. The way this will go through is I'll dial 8 and the number. This ESS office will go to the same Atlanta CCSA tandem, which will MF this time to its counterpart in New York City. New York 7, CCSA, XE. Probably. The New York City CCSA tandem will pick up a New York City number 5 crossbar line and again rotary dial the number. After it's finished dialing, you'll hear the number 5 crossbar line go tick a clunk. Then the trunk will go off hook, and then we hear the ta-tick of the number 5 crossbar line being cut through. The destination line is number 1 crossbar, by the way. So much number five crossbar. We've got a five-bar tandem in Atlanta, a five-bar tandem in New York, and then it goes to a five-bar line. Since the last leg of our call goes out onto a line, the supervision test's flashing is not going to reach us. That's just because number five crossbar lines don't pass supervision on at all to the subscriber. So there's just no way it could be detected. So instead, what they do is they just go off-hook after the number is dialed, and then go on-hook again should that line go back to dial tone, in this case it won't. The New York CCSA tandem is nice enough to let us hear the line when it's dialing out. Most of the CCSA tandems do not. Here is a call to Dallas. Again there is a distant number 5 crossbar CCSA tandem picking up and rotary dialing on a number 5 crossbar line. In this example you can hear the crossbar 5 tandem in Atlanta making its distinctive sounds. Also the one for Dallas. but you don't hear the dialing itself. When the second tandem cuts through, there's an immediate tick-a-clunk, tick, and then the trunk soups in the middle of the ring. That sounds like this. See, that's the standard with these lines the CCSA uses. It soups right after dialing the number, and then it stays off-hook, unless and until that line goes back to dial tone.
5: Checks mean money and peace of mind. Republic Bank time. 1, 23, temperature
3: 39. Whoa. The local crossbar 5 line went back to dial tone as soon as the outgoing call hung up. Now that is not normal. I'm going to have to check and see whether... Hold on a minute. Okay. All of the calls to the Dallas time did do that.
5: Uh, Dallas is the financial center of the Southwest. Republic Bank time 122. Temperature 39.
3: Okay, so it always does that. And someone has let me know that the 844 time number also works in Fort Worth. Now, 844 is a designated code for time. The mid-70s edition of Notes on Distance Dialing said so, and apparently 844 doesn't correspond to an actual central office entity, it's just a number for the time. This is a special case because the time trunks go back to dial tone immediately, so locally it would sound more or less like this.
7: 5, 7, temperature
6: 64.
3: So, over the CCSA, instead of getting a new dial tone, we get hung up on right away.
6: 1,
5: 43, temperature 37.
3: Outward Watts was just a line that you could dial long distance on either for free or at a greatly discounted rate. Its counterpart was Inward Watts, 800 numbers. Here's a call where a distant CCSA tandem is engaged in order to pick up an outward Watts line. Now, the Atlanta CCSA tandem does have outward Watts lines of its own, but apparently in this case, it was a better use of resources to use the CCSA network to get the call to an out Watts line closer to the final destination and then put it on the Watts line. Now, that makes a very complicated call When I dial 8 plus a number in Texas Area Code 915 in Sweetwater, our ESS, as usual, will pick up a trunk to the Atlanta CCSA tandem, which is a crossbar 5 tandem. That will MF to a distant CCSA tandem, probably the one in Dallas, which will then pick up an outward Watts line, served out of a number 5 crossbar office, and dial, probably rotary dialed, the whole number with a 1 first. The call will then go through the regular long-distance network from, probably, Dallas to Sweetwater. So this is a very long call. Assuming Dallas is the intermediate switching point, this call will go from our number 1 ESS to the crossbar 5 tandem downtown, to the crossbar 5 CCSA tandem, probably in Dallas, which will dial it out onto a crossbar 5 outwatts line, probably in Dallas, And from there, it's going to go through the regular long-distance network. So it'll go to Dallas for A to Sweetwater crossbar tandem, which will dial into the destination step.
4: Bell Telephone Company Business Office. Our normal office hours are from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. If you prefer to leave your name and telephone number, one of our representatives will call you. If you have an emergency, please dial over, operator. Thank you for calling.
3: Hey, don't hang up. I'm editing this, but I think I'm doing so realistically. that worked normally. It's a crossbar 5 line. The long distance call has hung up, so we've heard one cheap, but we won't hear the rest of the call go on hook until 20 seconds later when that line times back to dial tone. Here's the other cheap. There we go. Now we've got 10 seconds before our local ESS office cuts us back to dial tone. Isn't this amazing? It's like getting a break from the regular network and going to a different network. Of course, you'd have to know the rest of my tapes to appreciate it, but trust me, this is really different from the regular phone network that we had in the 70s and 80s. I just figured out something, too. You know why the CCSA tandem always dials onto a phone line instead of touch toning? It's because Bell Labs didn't build a touchtone outgoing sender for Crossbar 5. They simply didn't build it, so all these lines that could go through quickly with touchstone have got to use dial pulse because these are crossbar five tandems and there's no touch tone outgoing sender in number five crossbar. It's as simple as that. Now I'm going to try a few seven digit numbers. I don't know anything about this company's network, but let's try a two two one number and see what happens. <coughs>
4: Sorry, you have reached the number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. If you feel you have reached this recording in error, please check the number or try your call again. This is a recording. SSB 075. We're sorry, you have reached the number that has been disconnected.
3: The Atlanta tandem MF'd directly to a number five crossbar entity which gave us that recording. I would have just assumed that this was a crossbar 5 Centrex that the company has somewhere in some major city. But that recording ID, SSB 075, maybe that crossbar 5 entity also figures into the CCSA network as a tandem. I don't know. That is a weird ID. 247 went first to a distant crossbar 5 CCSA tandem And it audibly MF'd to an ESS. Probably 247 is an ESS Centrex somewhere that this company has.
4: Sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again, or call your operator to help you. This is a recording. We're sorry. Your
3: call when I dialed a two three six two thousand number, it went through the Atlanta CCSA tandem to a distant CCSA tandem, which mfed audibly to a number five crossbar end office line link pulsing to a small PBX. that's one of the Bell Systems PBX rings, though a rare one. Anyway, what I'm going to do next is call a number in Connecticut. This is an area where they don't have an FX line. And again, they go over the CCSA network to use an outward Watts line closer to the destination. It's an unusual outward Watts line in that it's something that they pretty much only use in Manhattan. These lines go directly from the long distance tandem to the subscriber so when they get a dial tone they're actually dialing into two one two
4: four
3: three right bill saw one that was dialing into two one
4: two
3: four it makes sense in a way because outward watts never gets incoming calls and always calls long distance anyway this call will go from our ess to the downtown atlanta ccsa tandem to the New York CCSA tandem New York 7, CCSA XE. probably that's going to get a dial tone and dial into an Outwatts line served directly out of 10th Avenue Tandem 3,
4: two, one, two, four, 3
3: which for some reason will use New York 6 two,
6: one, two, four, nine.
3: to go to New Haven two, oh,
6: three, two.
3: which will then dial to the destination step through the Norwich step tandem most of that you can't hear very well but there is one detail you do hear and that's this. After the dial pulsing you hear Bump da That's a crossbar tandem sound. Sounds like this up close. Anyway, here's the call.
7: Three seven six. Hello there.
3: Well, it's no wonder she couldn't hear me. There are just too many things in this call that introduce loss. Let's see, the Atlanta tandem, then the New York CCSA tandem, then the Tenth Avenue tandem Outwatt's line. But you know, interfacing it like a line, you're going to lose something compared to a trunk to trunk connection. That has to go into New York 6, which goes into New Haven, which goes into Norwich. Once you get to the step, there's the intercept concentrator. Every one of those links introduces loss, so that's why she can't hear me. Oh, and I'm using it through a call diverter, which doesn't help. By the way, the way I'm getting this dial tone is to call the outgoing line of the call diverter. Then on my second line, call the incoming number and hang up trigger the thing to dial out its number and conference me through, and then, well, this is kind of self-explanatory. When I get the dial tone, I'm going to call a vacant code in area code 802, Vermont. again it will use the crossbar tandem outwatch line 10th Avenue will dump it on New York 6 which will intercept the vacant code
6: Dial again or ask your operator to help you. This is the recording.
8: 21249.
3: We're sorry, but we have a problem in completing your call as dialed. By the way, 10th Avenue used to have direct trunks to New Haven and White River Junction. I see no reason why a Connecticut call should go through New York 6. Being 1978, we are past the point where the Bell system was legally mandated to provide access to MCI and other competitors. This CCSA network actually has a certain region that it sends through MCI. It appears from listening to the tapes that if we call Arizona, the Atlanta CCSA tandem sends it to a CCSA tandem in Cleveland which calls up MCI and puts it on them. So let's call Directory Assistance 602 555 1212 and hear this Bell System CCSA reaching it via MCI. We'll see how well that works.
4: Remember,
3: you have dialed, is not on the network. Yep, and does that thing sound familiar? You know, you might want to ask, what is with these old-fashioned photographic film announcing machines and the independent long-distance companies? Well, it started with MCI. They created the new normal of a 400 hertz dial tone mm-hmm combined with these weird-sounding announcements from the Cognitronics company.
4: The number you have dialed is not on the network.
3: That's photographic film. The maker of the switch is Dan Ray, D-A-N-R-A-Y, I think. And Dan Ray just did a bulk order from Cognitronics, apparently, for a lot of these old announcing machines. Then in the early 1980s, we began to see more modern digital announcing systems from the Cognitronics company going back to the january 1982 discovery the first several things i recorded were cognitronics intercepts locally over carrier analog and
7: digital i'm now recording in january 1982 and uh, today the computer found an interesting number it's an access number for some sort of company By the way, if you hear any crosstalk on the line, it's the sound of Clay using the other line to Jan another 1,000 group that's very interesting. So, what you're going to get here is the authentic sound of two busy phone freaks working. The first things I'm going to record are the two announcements that this machine gives you. One is for an invalid NPA, and the other is for an invalid authorization code. The recordings are coming from some distant announcement machine. Notice how the dial tone and the uh, sound you hear in between digits and the reorder afterward are all local, but the announcements are on carrier. Apparently there is some very rapid way of communicating that this machine has with wherever those announcements are coming from. So here it is, first an invalid NPA and then an
6: invalid authorization code.
4: The number you have dialed is invalid. Please check the number and redial your call. an invalid code. Please redial.
7: That's how the machine itself here in Atlanta gives you announcements. It has this trunk to this other thing. It tells it what announcement to give you and then you get the announcement and then it takes you off and gives you reorder. Here's an example of this Atlanta machine using SPC. I'm going to dial a 704 vacant code into it, and uh, it's going to pick up a trunk to SPC switch Atlanta 2, dial that into it, and then Atlanta 2 will give us the unauthorized location recording. Notice that it is a uh, non-electromechanical, that is, digital recording, and that it's not on carrier.
4: Your call cannot be completed. You have dialed an unauthorized location.
7: sent through a Watts line. One of the nice things about SPC is that you can get recordings in the SPC network from distant switches simply by dialing a valid area code plus an invalid exchange, or an exchange that's outside the limits of a particular switch's serving area. So I'm going to dial 212-404-2368. This will be sent to the local Atlanta SPC switch, which will send it to the New York SPC switch, which will give us the recording.
4: Your call cannot be completed. You have dialed an unauthorized location.
3: Hey, the New York switch has pretty good-sounding photographic film announcements. No clicks between words. Uh, wait a minute, did that reorder tone... It does. It has a timing jump that occurs repeatedly.
7: Here's a similar thing. I'm going to dial two one three two four digits. That will be sent to the local SPC Atlanta switch, which will send it to a distant switch, which will give us a recording.
4: Call cannot be completed. You have dialed an unauthorized location.
3: Okay, so the LA switch has digital announcements, but the reorder still hiccups.
7: There's a call to a non-working number in the 213 area where it appears SPC is being used to complete the call.
4: The number you have reached is not in service at this time and there is no referral. Please be sure you have checked the telephone directory and are dialing correctly. The number you have reached is not in service at this time and there is no referral.
7: Now, in fact, I cannot prove that that was SPC being used. I can only assume it was because of the way the 213 vacant code went through.
3: On that example, The call was sent over the CCSA and or SPRINT to a local line in Los Angeles, which was ESS, and it used a crossbar tandem to complete to the destination. This program is getting kind of long, so let me change the subject and we will get back to the 1982 CCSA discovery. What follows documents something that we invented in late 1981.
7: There's a computer program I have that I'm about to get rid of because I have no need for it. It was written in the fall of 1981, and it was the first uh, answering machine program that Clay and I ever did for making the computer answer the phone. There are three outgoing announcements, and it changes
3: every time you call. The voice announcements are recorded through the cassette input using the method where I increase intelligibility by adding a tone to the sound. This
7: original version did not have any VOX. In fact, it didn't listen to the line at all. About a week after we wrote this, I wrote the interactive program.
3: So this got left behind very quickly because it was a week or less that passed between the writing of one and the other. And then a few weeks after we had the interactive program, I went back and made this one have VOX. So later versions of this sounded the same, except they had VOX. And what I'm about to record now is the original version.
7: Hi, I'm sorry we can't answer your call right now. Leave your name and number at the tone. In fall of
3: 1981, we did not have analog to digital, so we had to create voice announcements by listening through the cassette input which would produce the distorted sound you heard before but i intuitively realized that if i added a five to ten kilohertz tone while i was recording that it would increase the number of zero crossings and make the intelligibility pretty good as you heard
7: Leave your name and number at the
3: tone. Some of the programming time loops in this Apple are leaking through into the phone line. You can hear one after the voice announcement and again after the warning tone. I'm going to turn up the volume after this tone and see if you can hear it going eee like that. The little touchtone ditty at the beginning is being played by the modem and is inspired by the Bell System's use of that exact same little ditty. In 1981, the Bell System was endeavoring to go into the voicemail business, although legally that proved to be too soon. In a minute, I'll show you what the Bell System's experimental voicemail sounded like. In 1981, the Bell system decided to go into the voicemail business. They packaged voicemail as just another custom calling feature. This is call
4: answering. The person you're calling can't answer the phone right now. Please leave a message at the sound of the tone that includes your name and telephone number.
3: I'm not sure what they have in mind putting a long delay before the tone. There was no technical reason to do that. So they started in Philadelphia in 1981, but in 1983, Judge Harold Green told them they had to quit. The Bell companies didn't go back into voicemail until after the Bell system breakup, and, of course, they monopolized it. Well, that's as much as I can cram into one program. The next program... We'll start with probably one of my best inventions.
7: Hello?
4: Hello. Evan Moore, please.
7: This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please?
4: Uh, Anita Morose from ITT.
7: All right. What's your number?
4: 201-330-5173. I'm returning his call, and he can reach me between 8.30 and 4.30 tomorrow.
7: Thanks. Anything else?
4: Uh, No, that's it.
7: Okay, thanks.
4: Thank you, bye-bye.
7: Hello? Hello, this is Argeny, is Evan there? This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please?
8: Oh, <laughs> this is Argeny.
7: Alright, what's your number?
8: 7580615.
7: Thanks. Anything else?
8: Yes. Uh, I'll have an answer to the name
7: of the hotel by tonight at 8 o'clock. I have somebody calling me from Houston. Alright, anything else? No, that's all. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. 429.
4: Hello. Hi. I'm calling for, um, Evan Moore.
7: This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please?
4: Um, this is Gina.
7: Alright, what's your number? Um,
4: 733 3343.
7: Thanks. Anything else? No? Okay, thanks. <laughs> Bye.
4: Bye.
3: 610. This is George, my invention of 1981. It was fully up and running in the fall of '81, although it didn't sound that good because I didn't have a proper analog to digital converter. Initially, I had to record the outgoing announcements in a kludgy way using the Apple's cassette input. The feature of calling the time and recording that on the tape was added in 1983, as was the higher quality outgoing announcements. But the overall algorithm to appropriately respond to callers and get them to leave their name and number was there from the beginning. Here's the way it sounded in 1981. This is the computer speaking. I decided to use the term answering machine instead of computer when I re-recorded the phrases. Here's 1983. This is the answering machine. That's how it sounded on the incoming message tape, which did have some extra distortion. Here it is over long distance.
7: This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please?
3: Now some more from 1983.
7: Hello? Evan Moore, please. This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please? Jeff McDonald. All right, what's your number? 458-4927. Thanks. Anything else? No, sir. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Hello?
4: I speak with Evan Moore, please.
7: This is the answering machine. Hi. Who's calling, please?
4: Uh, this is Dr. Finkel's office.
7: All right, what's your number?
4: 449-3744. Four four
7: Thanks. Anything
4: else? Calling to remind me as an appointment Monday at 12 noon.
7: Okay, thanks. Thank you. Bye. 945.
3: Now, how do you do that and have it work that well with 1981 technology? Go ahead. In 1981, no one even had voicemail yet except for a few experimental voicemail subscribers in Philadelphia. And no one had an answering machine like this, except me. There was something, though, that was out there, that actually inspired this to some degree.
4: Are you servicing a 1050, 2740, or 41 type terminal? No. Are you servicing a bi device? No. I think normally it'll work repeat. for you. Please say distinctly, yes or no.
3: Right. That invention.
4: Please repeat. Answer yes or
1: no.
3: Shut up. Anyway, that invention did understand yes, no, and digits. George, however, did not try to understand speech. It was listening intently, however, dynamically timing the caller's talk bursts to decide what to say and how fast to come back and say it. Each prompt had its own dynamically adjustable response time. So, for example, at the Hello prompt, George, once it detected some speech, was all set to come back with This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please? fairly quickly, making it sound natural. However, if the caller talked past a certain amount of time on the Hello prompt, George would go into a different mode, assuming the caller intended to leave a complete message right at the first prompt. At that point, George would no longer attempt to sound natural and would instead allow the caller to pause long periods of time before finally coming back and assuring the caller that if he wanted to record more, he could. Here's my friend Steve demonstrating this feature for someone.
5: Hello? Oh crap, it said answering machine again. God, I hope it doesn't put me through all that rigmarole with all the questions and all that stuff. All I want to do is just say that Steve and Evan, when you hear this, please call me, okay?
7: This is the answering machine. I'm recording your message. Go ahead. Well, that's refreshing. I'm glad it's not so difficult. I guess that's really all.
5: No, let's see. Wait a minute. Actually, there is something else I want to do. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, so I want to add on a different number.
3: There, he was demonstrating the remote feature where a four-digit code... that. Password is too weak. Oh, come on. It's 1983. Get off my back. Anyway, there were remote features such as using the three-way calling, recording a voice memo, etc. that could be done, all initially accessed with a super secure four-digit code.
7: Hello? Hi there. This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please? It's me calling long distance. All right, what's your number? Hello. Hi there. Hi. Uh I'm out of town at the moment. Well, I play with the phones. Yeah, I do. The code for my machine right now is 9083. Okay. So I'll let you know if you you need to use it.
5: And what do I do for the, for uh, for transfer?
7: uh, For transfer, when the call is in progress, you quickly go pound star.
8: Well wait a minute, hold on
7: a second. Well, let me run. Okay. See you later, bye.
4: South is happy to add time weather temperature to its community services bank time 252 the Atlanta area weather cloudy today drizzle and little temperature change tonight temperature 61
3: well enough of remote use of my computer back to the dynamic response time as i said each prompt had its own parameters one thing that i had to accommodate was that sometimes people would leave a seven digit number like this all right what's your number five 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 two three six eight thanks anything else and at other times alright what's your number five, 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 2368. thanks anything else in order to sound natural under either case and God forbid not cut someone off after they've only given three digits George would accommodate that potential long pause in the delivery of a phone number By starting out with a long response time, and then after the caller had blah blah blahed enough to have gone beyond the first three digits, it would cut back the response time so that no matter how the number was spoken, it would come back with a very reasonable sounding, Thanks. Anything else? And no unnatural long pause. In practice with my calls, this feature worked perfectly. But unfortunately, I did not keep my incoming message tapes. However, there was a wrong number caller who did demonstrate this feature, albeit unintentionally. Notice how on the OK What's Your Number prompt, a very long time passes between her first talk burst and her second. But George comes back very quickly after the second talk burst. Just imagine that she's leaving a phone number.
6: All
7: right, what's your number?
8: What? Who's this?
3: Thanks. Anything else? Perfect. It waited a real long time after the central office code. What? But when she gave the last four digits, it came back with natural timing.
8: Who's this?
3: Thanks.
7: Anything else? See. Hello.
6: Who the fuck are you?
7: This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please?
6: I know. I didn't make a reservation, so I can't expect to be able to reach you. Bye.
3: 7.35. The feature of recording the time after each message was added in 1983 using the George technology. After finishing with the caller, George would turn off the tape and call up the Weathercron time number, notice when Fred Covington started talking, and then wait for the appropriate pause in his speech to turn on the tape recorder just to record the hours and the minutes.
5: Good afternoon.
3: Speech detected. Is
5: your new Xerox copier a piece of junk? Call 455-8550. The present temperature is 34 degrees. Eastern Standard Time. Tape on. Twelve twenty seven. Tape off. Piece of junk.
3: Hey. The 1983 version of George Also did call waiting. When a call waiting beep was detected, while George was already talking to someone, it would politely wait for a pause in the person's speech and then say, I have another call. Can you hold please? It would then wait for something that had the rhythm of okay, and then it would say thanks and go get the other call. To the second caller, it would answer hello, allow him to say something, and at an appropriate pause it would say, This is the answering machine. I'm on another call. Can you hold please? Again, it would wait for an acknowledgement, say thanks, and go back to the first caller, I think saying, I'm back, and continuing where it left off. Then it would go to the second caller, and if he or she was still there, finish that call. There was no provision for being a demon multitasker, a la John Erickson's answering service in New York. That's
7: Shelley, and your telephone number? 247. 247, just a second. Good afternoon, may I help you? Hi, this is Maria. Uh, Do I have any messages? Let me check for you, 247.
3: But I thought about it, and I have to admit, that answering service was also an inspiration for this invention. The only surviving recording of George doing anything with call waiting was a prank call when someone called me up and made some noise with a teletype, old-fashioned typewriter, or adding machine. In what follows, George detects the call waiting beep, then politely waits for a pause in the clattering before saying, I have another call, can you hold please? Had the noise not been so continuous after George asked the person to hold on, it would have worked. But unfortunately, the clattering was so continuous that George took that as a sign to abandon that call. Hello?
7: Answering machine. Who's calling, please? I have another call. Can you hold, please?
3: Knowing that a living person goes blah, 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 not. Blah! Right, that's what that looked like. George abandoned that call and took the other one as a fresh call. Can't play that one for you because the tape is just in too bad shape. That call and others have come from a tape that was literally reused, and fortunately I was able to reclaim what was recorded on it originally. It ain't easy. Here's Steve demonstrating to a friend that the prompts of George can be very persistent. While this is not a realistic use of the machine, it does show what it's like to navigate around the prompt logic.
6: Hello? Hello? Hi.
7: This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please? Who's calling, please? Hello? Oh,
5: damn. Okay. All right. All right. It's Steve.
7: Who's calling, please?
5: Well, I said it's Steve.
7: All right. What's your number?
5: Hello? All right, 4413232. Three, two.
7: Thanks. Anything else? No. Okay, thanks.
5: I don't like talking to answering machines. Bye. Uh, no, wait, don't go yet. Damn. Boy, this thing's insulting, I'm telling you what. I guess I'm gonna leave a message. All right, To so tell Evan that Steve called and, and it's now... 611 and we're getting ready to go out to Sunny's and have some barbecue, so I'll call him back later. I hope that's all right with you.
7: All right. Anything else? No. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. 612.
3: While I'm the only designer on this project, I did not write the program. Clay and I thought this would be better in 6502 assembly language and he was better at that than I was, so he wrote the program according to my specs. I remember that he made a very elegant little table for me so that I could change the way you would navigate through the prompts, as well as any of the timing parameters. If, for example, I heard this happening too many times. Who's
7: calling, please? Hello? Oh, damn, okay, all right, all right. It's Steve. Who's calling, please? Well, I said it's Steve.
3: I could go into that elegant little table and change it so that this would happen.
7: Who's calling, please?
5: Hello?
2: Oh, damn,
5: okay. All right, all right. It's Steve.
7: All right, what's your number?
5: I
3: didn't have it that way because, as far as I could tell from watching the thing, the few callers who were hesitant to respond did need to be reprompted at that point, but I could have changed it. Thanks to Clay's making the program so neat and elegant, it was easy for me to tweak everything to near perfection. And frankly, there really wasn't that much that needed to be changed, just a few things here and there. As an example, in the earliest incarnation of George, the prompt that it gave when someone left a very long message on the Hello to tell them to continue recording if they liked, turned out to be inappropriate, so I changed it. Here, Less takes advantage of the feature and then comments on the inappropriate prompt at the end. Forgive me, but I'm going to have a little fun with Less's incoming message. This particular splice-up was done around 1982.
6: Hello? So I've decided what I want to do. Um, I want to make the delete key operate in such a way that if you push it down, it, it goes back one character, and then if you hold it after about a second, it goes delete, 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 delete. Know what I mean like a backspace See, I, I was really concerned with on, on this one you know telling people that you have to you know hit escape and all and I think the delete it just it'll it'll make it a lot better and if that's not any great trouble to do in the software it doesn't really matter at what rate it you know it goes backwards as long as after you hold it down about a second it goes delete 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 you know what I mean like a backspace yeah a type medic key like a backspace on a uh, uh, electronic or uh, an electric typewriter. Uh, so let's just do that and that way we won't have to, you know, hit escape and all. And I think the delete it just it'll it'll make it a lot better and if that's not any great trouble to do in the software, it doesn't really matter at what rate it you know, it goes backwards as long as after you hold it down about a second it goes delete, 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 delete you know what I mean? Like a backspace. Uh, so let's just do that and that way we won't have to See, I, I was really concerned with on, on this one, you know, telling people that you have to hit escape and all. And I think the delete it just it'll it'll make it a lot better. And if that's not any great trouble to do in the software, it doesn't really matter at what rate it you know it goes backwards, as long as after you hold it down about a second, it goes zooming backwards to the you know the beginning. You know, delete, 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 delete. You know what I mean? Like a backspace. If you understand what I'm saying. And uh, see, I, I was really concerned with on, on this one, you know, telling people that you have to hit escape and all. And I think the delete, 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 it just it'll it'll make it a lot better. And this is the computer speaking. If you want to leave a message, do it now. What the hell do you think I've been doing? I mean, doesn't that sound like a message?
3: Did George work? Yes, beautifully. However. Sometimes, especially with wrong numbers, people would just refuse to believe that they were speaking to a machine.
5: Hello? Uh, Hello, this is Chris McFadden. I'm with Telebusiness Supply. I wonder, sir, if you could tell me uh, what kind of typewriter you use in your business, or do you use one? This is
7: the computer speaking. If there's anything else you want to tell me, say it now. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, thank you. Hey, you? Computer?
5: Bye-bye now. You too. Uh, Nice way to get rid of a salesman, although I'm
7: not interested in work too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Hello?
4: Hello, can I speak to Robert?
7: This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please? What? Alright, what's your number?
4: What? Who's this?
7: Thanks. Anything else?
4: No, it's somebody saying this is the answer. Right? Can I help you? What is your name? I said, What? Well, can I have your number? I said, What is this? Thanks, because I'm stupid. Hello? Hello?
7: All right. Anything else?
4: Is he saying, All right. Anything else?
7: Okay, thanks.
4: Wait a minute. Hello? I'd like to speak to Robin.
7: All right. Anything else?
4: Yeah. Hold on, alright.
7: Okay, thanks. Bye.
4: Wait, no, no, bye. Hold on, okay. (laughs) All
7: right. Anything else?
4: Hello. Hello.
7: Okay, thanks.
1: (laughs) Hello. Hello.
7: All right. Anything else?
4: That's all think. Can I speak to Robin? Can I speak to Robin?
7: Okay, thanks. It
4: is. Okay, thanks. Bye. That ain't no real.
7: Nine twenty-three.
3: Such a great idea, right? You would think that this would have been marketed. Well, we were trying. Specifically, my friend Steve was trying. He knew it was a great idea, and it was amazing the apathetic response that we were getting from anyone who was in a position to do anything about it. Steve would sometimes add on my line and let George record the conversation that he was having. Here's an excerpt of one of those voice memos that I just happened to have. It'll give you an idea of what Steve was trying to do and what he'd been through trying to do it.
5: All right, to give you a quick idea of what we want to do, Our idea is to continue to use standard magnetic tape as the message recording medium. Okay. And I think it's fairly obvious. The technology to make it cost-effective to use the hard disk for incoming messages, when you've got essentially a vox recording scheme and they could talk forever, it just ain't practical. That's true. And people who think they're gonna sell make a fortune selling a message call and forward system in a store and forward system using a hard disk or an IBM or I think full of shit as a Christmas turkey, yeah. Is I not heard. cost effective to tie up three thousand dollars worth of hardware for twenty seconds worth of speech. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm at this point it looks like it makes sense to me to use micro cassette and one of our big headaches is we've gotta find an OEM source of a micro cassette or a cassette mechanism with Actually, a deck, not just a not just a transport, but a deck. Unless we want to manufacture our own analog electronics ourselves, sure. which I just soon not do. I just soon farm as much of this out, you know, as possible. Yeah, especially
6: in that type of uh, mechanism, there's just no way that you can meet the low cost. Exactly. OEM, uh, and there's enough suppliers of that type of. Uh... But what
5: about with solenoid control? What we want essentially is a dictaphone type mechanism that, upon contact closure, it either rewinds, fast forwards, records, or plays. No contact closure, of course, it's in a stop mode
6: that bear a little bit of research, but I don't think that you have any difficulty finding this flyer.
5: All right, we've got to find it at a low price. Uh, What we eventually want to do with this, Steve, what we want to get it to is an RS-232 interfaced outboard box about the size of, say, Hayes' chronograph that was a flop. But something small, sexy. Since it's going to have to have a clock chip on it, we may as well put a, a display on the front of it that indicates the time and shows you the status that the device is in on the front panel and you know a few lights that do something to make it sexy make it sleek looking have the cassette or micro cassette in it and then just have it rs232 at 19.2 kilobaud to uh and my target market for this is is present pc owners and the lines i want to go after specifically in this order are only because i've got to develop first because i think it's a smaller market than the ibm pc market and i see our target market as small businesses and very upwardly mobile home PC owners who are you know technologically oriented who probably work in high-tech industry I don't think this is going to be everybody's got to have one but I do think all small businesses might buy them and I think that a lot of people who work out of their home you know that kind of thing will definitely want I think there's an enormous market I just don't have my hand on on any really, really good demographic research regarding yeah, our target market. Well, that would
6: market. be one of my questions. Uh, it sounds like a good idea to, obviously, you, and to, so far, I'm favorably impressed as well, have you performed any kind of market research so far? No.
5: To, let me handle that question with you right now. At this point, what we're searching, obviously, for is not only hardware hackers and some software hackers, but funding. I've gone through ATDC. And they came up cold because at this point, Steve, the entrepreneurial element is missing. I do not have a commitment to master what is necessary to be the CEO of this company. Mm -hmm. I'm just not interested. I'm interested in turning that over to someone else. That's fine.
6: What are they asking for?
5: What they want is either a uh, a coherent business plan, which there are a 1,000 questions on the Arthur Young company suggested outline for a new high technology business plan that I can't answer. (laughs)
6: <laughs> that's that's interesting. I wondered about that uh, ATDC announcement, <laughs> how they were going to go about doing their their.
5: Thing. <laughs> they have they have. Uh, uh, it's just a debacle. You'd have to talk with Evan to appreciate it, because I'm so on it about them that i when I tell you about it, all you hear is my emotional taint with them. <laughs> but they have consistently behaved contrary to their stated purpose for being.
2: Yeah.
5: Uh, I I had an interview with Mark Swecker and with uh, the head of it, Jerry Birchfield. Jerry couldn't see why anybody would want one. That was his reason for no enthusiasm.
2: Uh
5: Uh, And uh, upon research, some other people said, well, there is already plenty of what you're talking about doing out there on the market. So all the reasons they haven't supported us are complete bullshit reasons. They've missed the point. Now, of course, I'm responsible for communicating the opportunity, and obviously I haven't done that very well. But... uh, the other thing is we sat down and talked with High Chinkas that used to run Crown Camera. Yes. And uh, High, of course, is now retired and was, is with SCORE, the uh-huh. core of retired executives thing, you know, that, oh, uh-huh. you know, that's consultants. And he basically said, without either the CEO or a coherent business plan, I can't attract venture capital. Now, he said, we might talk to someone like Ron White or someone like that that, you know, is, is doing some real out of the speculative stuff. But, you know, I'm to the point of negotiating with Dennis Hayes and selling this thing to him just outright, if necessary. I want to see it come to fruition as a product. Uh, We have a marketing approach. We have, I think, in marketing terms. That's sort of my special distinctive competence. And we've come up with what I think is a great name that we're in the process of trademarking. We're going to call it George, because there is no distinctive acronym or descriptive phrase that outlines all the things it'll do. There just isn't. So we're going to uh, play out the human attribute aspect and simply call it George. Let me go ahead and drop off Evan's dictation machine here because I'm using up his tape. Hold on a minute.
3: Actually, George was my name for this device, but it was a good marketing name too. I chose the name George because there was a ridiculous character that I'd been playing on the Atlanta Conferences whose name was George, and I decided to name this after him since George on the conference was my alter ego. The name George turned out to be such a good idea that within three or four years, there was a high-tech company that came out with some computer-related telephone device and they called it George. It didn't do interactive answering machine though. In 1983, there was no end in sight for George, but that changed. Now in 1984, George actually began to announce with Pat Fleet's voice instead of mine. Now I didn't keep my incoming message tapes, and so these are the only surviving recordings of Pat Fleet being the voice of George. You'll have to strain your ears to hear under my babbling the sound of George operating with Pat Fleet's voice. 180 dial 0, up to 189, dial 9. 190, just hold on, 191.
2: That's
7: the 212, to save time Hello? in the future, please enter your preference digit immediately after dialing your account code. 213, you have changed call your call preference. 214,
3: we'll call All you back right, and connect you to the party line momentarily. 215, excuse me, payment Bank. for your account, account is now past due. Please remember payment is due before the 1st of each month. All accounts unpaid as of the 6th.
2: Please
8: accept our thanks if you've already
5: mailed your payment. This one's in two parts, A and B.
3: 216, in order to be connected,
7: please remember to dial 9. 222
3: is not a valid preference code. Bye. You'd think that having Pat Fleet on George would be good news. And in a way it was. But why did we call in Pat Fleet for a session? It was because we had a new business coming. By 1983, George was running using a telephone interface board that could decode touch tones and provide good audio coupling. That board, which could handle only one phone line, was $500. That's $1982 for one phone line. Now in fall of 1984, when the business went from experimental and free to commercial, That was when that $500 board for the Apple II needed to go into the business, and that was the end of George. But there was also another reason, a technical one, that George could not have continued in its existing form through the 1980s. And it had to do with the fact that George listened to the phone line using the Apple cassette input. The cassette input was designed for loading programs for cassette tape, and the only thing the cassette input could detect was zero crossings. Therefore, it allowed George to hear the phone line, but only in terms of sound or no sound. There was no ability to detect relative levels of anything. There was no way to distinguish between blah 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 and background noise. Now, the good news for the early days of George is that everyone and i do mean everyone was using a telephone with a carbon mic if you go back and listen to all of the recordings of people using george that are in this program every one of those people is calling from a carbon mic telephone be it princess 500 set 2500 set trimline they all have carbon mics now around 1982 83 new telephones not made by the bell system began to come onto the network These new telephones didn't have carbon mics. They had condenser mics or something like it. And while the voice quality was better, there was a major technical drawback which I don't think anyone realized at the time. As soon as these new telephones came onto the network, something changed. You could no longer talk on the phone while washing the dishes without the person you're talking to knowing that you were washing the dishes. You see mr gray's invention of the variable resistance transducer which became the bell systems carbon mic had a wonderful side effect despite the fact that it gave a distorted sound it automatically filtered out background noise if i were talking on a carbon mic right now you wouldn't have heard that car in the background nor would you hear the room echo of the place i'm recording in that's what i'm talking about carbon mics wouldn't let you hear that. Because this isn't a carbon mic, I have to use the computer to do what a carbon mic would do and reduce the room echo and most of the cars going by. The difference between a carbon mic and a condenser mic was huge as far as George was concerned. Had George continued to run through the second half of the 1980s, there would have been more and more instances when George just seemed to have gone away, lost in his thoughts. Actually, George would be hearing background noise in the caller's environment that the caller hadn't even thought about. And that's why it wouldn't come back and respond. Here's how it is with a carbon mic. All right, what's your number? 555-2368. Thanks. Anything else? Now, with a condenser mic, it's like this. All right, what's your number? 555-2368. Hello? Are you still there? Thanks. Anything else? Okay, I'm exaggerating a bit there, but that was the problem. The newer telephones made the background noise so loud that George couldn't tell the difference between it and speech, and so it totally messed up the timing. So a complete technical redesign on the listening part would have to be done to tell the difference between background noise and speech, and Steve and I didn't have time for that. We started a new business that wasn't related to George, but did involve telephone lines. Meanwhile, I got a great new disco job around the time that our business came online, and so George kind of disappeared from our consciousness. We had other things to do. There's one more anecdote that I want to share, and I'm sorry that it's an anecdote. I could kick myself for not saving this recording because it would have become a classic. During the last days of George, when Pat Fleet was the voice of George, I got a call from Pat Fleet. Though I don't have the tape, I do remember exactly how it went. Hello? Hello? Is Evan there? This is the answering machine. Who's calling, please? Well, it's Pat Trumbull. All right, what's your number? 255-2368. Thanks. Anything else? No, but it's really weird talking to myself like this. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, you've heard all the recoverable surviving tapes of George that I've got. That's it. There are more of our exploits from the early 80s, including the beginnings of that business, coming up in following episodes.
7: Bye.
6: Bye. Bye Bye-bye now. Normally, it'll work Eight. for you. We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please
4: check the number and dial again.
0: So, pretty much, uh, I, I enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed being a telephone freak when I was young. Uh, when I was younger, and uh, hopefully this, that gave you a little bit of insight, or maybe a lot of insight, because it's been what a couple hours. Uh, I told you to get a hot chocolate or a, a latte, and I'm sure you've paused it a few times. But uh, that's that's that, right? So that's what we were playing around with uh, when, when I was younger, uh, and I wanted to share that with you. And so, with that said, we're going to go ahead and wrap up show 107. Uh, and uh, be sure to check us out on the web, uh, hackers.xxx, uh, where you uh, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, all of that stuff, you know, the modern era of content delivery. And uh, be sure to, uh, you know, I don't know, try to, uh, you know, use your skills for something good, right? Uh, smile at someone, try to help them. Uh, and, um, you, you know, one more thing. Uh, I think I've spoken about it previously. Uh, it's, you uh, I've mentioned about uh, a YouTube channel called grandpa's uh, kitchen and um, yeah, and, and yeah, I, th- I think you can, you can find that episode a few episodes back, but um, he had a YouTube channel. Uh, they fed orphans. It was, it was just uh, amazing uh, what they were doing. And uh, so he recently passed away. Uh, you can search for, it. it's called grandpa's kitchen. You can see the whole, uh, you, uh, you know, what happened and all of that but uh it's certainly he he will be missed uh because uh one of the things that he taught uh was to always smile at people and to love people to care for people and to share with others and that's what i'm encouraging you and always will to love care and share and with that now i can get out of here right and get on with my morning because now it's what like five thirty. uh <sighs> All right, I'm getting out of here. I think the sun's about to pop up. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, I'll see you guys again for show number 108. And until then, take care of yourself. Uh, and uh, you, please use your skills for something good. Talk to you later. Bye. Eight, eight,